0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host as always, Jan Roos, and I'm here with another solo pod on something that uh, is kind of hard to grasp at first, but it's very important for getting to the higher levels of marketing. And I'm going to describe this as the paradox of scaling. And I actually want to open this up with a quote from one of the all-time greats, Dan Kennedy. Uh, this has been attributed to a couple other people, but uh, I think he's the highest up in the food chain. So we'll go ahead and say that he was the one who said this. So anyway, the quote is, he or she who can afford to spend the most to acquire a new customer wins. And it's really interesting because this kind of flies in the face of a lot of expectations that people build as consumers, oftentimes thinking about things from you know basic economics, textbooks, that sort of stuff where there's an expectation where the more that's being spent, the larger businesses are actually going to be building economies of scale. But what the quote implies is that the people who are actually spending the most on marketing are the ones who will eventually be winning. And I think the definition of winning in the case of Dan Kennedy and most of the people who talk about this kind of stuff is winning a market, be it nationwide, local. Um, you know, This could be everything from Uber versus Lyft, uh, which we'll actually get into in a little bit. To you know, winning the slot for being the best divorce attorney in your particular county or something like that, but it also kind of comes with some baggage, right? Because we don't want to have the situation where we're paying more for marketing. Why would anyone want to pay more for marketing, like anything else, right? If uh, you could get away with paying, you know, less on your car insurance, then of course you'd do it, right? But it's sort of a simple principle. But we'll we'll explore where this actually ends up goes because it actually is something that's really really powerful as far as expectation setting goes, and as far as the actual mechanics of how working both within a given channel and uh, in a larger mix of marketing channels works as well. So let's uh, kind of start out with the numbers here, right? So there's obviously a, you know, reducto ad absurdum to this argument, right? If you wanted to pay every single person who walked into your office for a consultation, a million dollars in cash, I wouldn't necessarily be on, say that you'd be on the path to winning your market, <laughs> <laughs> by any means, right? So there's obviously a limit to this stuff. But the limits, and this is something that if you're a fan of um, a lot of the stuff, if you've ever go into quarterly statements for any companies that you might invest to as a public investor, or you know, you watch stuff like Shark Tank, or just kind of a fan of business and metrics in general, the two metrics that will kind of dictate how much one can spend is the customer acquisition cost. That's you know what you'll spend on average to get a client and the lifetime value of a client or so CAC and LTV. So uh, some kind of interesting things I want to dig into, the higher LTV that you have actually allows you to have a higher customer acquisition cost. One of the things that, I mean, I'll say here too, there's a reason why we see ads for mesothelioma and asbestos-related cancer and personal injury billboards everywhere. I just recently moved to Texas. It's just been insane to see how many billboards they have around here. And while we don't happen to see billboards for stuff like, you know, getting a power of attorney or a simple will or something like that, the asbestos case could be six or seven figures to the firm that's ended up getting it where, you know, the simple will can be you know a couple hundred bucks in a lot of cases, right? So the more that you actually are able to make on a service, the more you're actually able to spend to acquire that service, right? And by the way, that actually becomes kind of an interesting mechanism that you can be able to scale, Right. If you have a situation where your customer lifetime value is $10,000 and your competitor's customer uh, lifetime value is $5,000, then you can spend more than your competitor to acquire a client. But let's kind of go into the relationship between those two numbers in kind of a static area first, right? Overall, you can't have a customer acquisition cost that is higher than your LTV. So if we're talking about two competitors, the one that is going to be spending more percentage-wise of their LTV is more likely going to be able to advertise more. So the actual efficiency of your advertising spend will potentially go down as you decide to scale a channel. And um, one of the things I want to kind of get into as well is like, basically, there's there's different ways that this ends up happening, right? So I'll use Google Ads as a really, really simple example. So, and to some level, almost every ad platform right now kind of follows the same model more or less you know google was pretty much the first to crack and popularize it and you know especially in the legal space but everything that happens on an online ad marketplace these days is more or less on an auction right so with google for example there's a lot of figures that you see thrown around a lot the, the first spot on google the top ad rank is going to get some huge percentage of the clicks i think usually you know 60 70 80% is not uncommon you go down, it's like a power function. The second one will probably get 15% of the remaining 20. And then, you know, the next, the third will get five, so on and so forth. So basically the more that you're able to pay on Google, for example, the more likely you are to win the top spot, but because you had to have such a higher bid, the people who are getting leads from the top spot clicks are most likely going to be paying more per click. And unless there's something crazy that they figured out on the conversion rate side of things, they're going to be paying more per case. So here's the situation, right? You might be able to get four times as much traffic by going from spot two to spot one, but it's going to cost you some percentage more of doing that, right? And again, um, we could get super crazy with like the, you know, cost benefit payoff and that kind of stuff too. But overall, what this really boils down to, right? Is we're talking about, do you want 100% of a grape or 75% of a watermelon? Or, you know, do you want 50% of a watermelon or, you know, 25% of, uh, you know, Rambutan or something? (laughs) I don't know. I'm thinking of some dried fruits here, right? Because essentially that's really what it is. And to kind of think about this from the flip side, if you're not able to spend money, then you're not going to have any costs associated with your marketing, but it's also less likely that you're going to have marketing that's out there, right? So let's kind of talk about some other stuff too. So I want to kind of circle back to that LTV type thing. I used some trust in the state stuff as an example. It's not really likely that you're going to see ads, billboards for stuff like wills for the most part too, because you know even the people that are charging a fair amount for their trust-based planning packages, we're probably talking 5, 10K tops, absolute tops for that kind of stuff. So uh, And this is something that I, I know from working with some firms in the uh, Los Angeles area, there's people who advertise $500 trusts and a lot of bus stops and that kind of thing, which costs money, obviously. But the thing that actually ends up getting that to work is that they're really not actually charging $500 for trust. They are making their LTV higher through oftentimes selling um, some really, really high-priced annuity or high commission annuity products. And a lot of this stuff isn't ethical. I don't condone it whatsoever. But also, a lot of the times, too, there's there's kind of a model, right? If you can get somebody in the door for $500 and you can have them get repeatedly three, four, five referrals out of that, then... You have a situation where your LTV isn't actually 500, it's actually 2,500, right? So that's kind of an example of playing with the LTV aspect of these things. And the other thing too is that when you talk about, um, there's also, so, you know, and again, traditionally when we're talking about, and um, I want to go into this just pretty briefly as well, but there's uh, kind of an interesting, uh, I ended up noticing this and I ended up getting served an ad for it. I clicked on it. I was pretty interested, but basically, uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed this as well, but um, the price of Uber has been going up like pretty dramatically in the last like year or so. And essentially what happened was the money ran out, right? So this was getting subsidized to some level by the investor base that was trying to pour money to have Uber end up you know, being the default ride sharing app, which I think it's probably safe to say it has. But the whole idea here was that there was a lot of basically, um, they were giving away their LTV, or if you kind of think of this subsidy as an increased spend to that, you know, take that customer acquisition cost. It was to the goal of having enough riders that had the app installed and enough drivers driving for the app where it had some sort of a network effect. And that's something you'll see in Silicon Valley and you know that kind of dynamic. Not necessarily going to be in the case for you know a local market while trying to build your law firm. But you know, referrals are a network effect as well. Uh, you know, the ability to have this kind of stereo sound effect where you have maybe you have your ads running on YouTube and you have them running on Facebook and you have them on billboards and you know radio and that kind of stuff too. That's kind of a network effect as well. But kind of digress a little bit. So overall, it's kind of weird to think, but the largest firms you're talking to are probably actually having a less efficient in terms of what they're spending to acquire a customer on average than the smaller firms. And the other thing I kind of want to introduce here too, is that referrals just totally mess this all up, right? Um, If you want to have an honest discussion with this in terms of scaling your firm, you have to kind of take that out of the picture. Because if you're 50% referrals, then you know, essentially you're going to be messing up your average customer acquisition costs like entirely, unless there's some way to originally attribute it. But, um, you know, basically a lot of referral-based practices, a lot of referral-based solos, that's the hundred percent of a grape situation, right? So on our next episode, I want to get into kind of the mathematics of how to go ahead and scale these things, right? So we're going to get into the definition of return on investment. And as a quick preview, it's not as simple as you might realize, but um, if you're interested in scaling, uh, being able to accept higher costs as you move up is absolutely something that you need to be prepared for. Um, there's no economies of scale. There's no volume discount. We're not at Costco here, but um, you know the biggest firms have figured this stuff out. And if you're interested in going there, it's something that you're going to have to come to terms with. So anyways, I hope this was enlightening, guys. Stay tuned in two weeks for the follow-up on this one, which is going to be how big firms think differently about return on investment. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I will see you guys next Tuesday, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.